How weird is it to come in and see this giant contraption set up with all the stuff, and then when there's one dude with a guitar, man. That's so cool. <laughs> but it's good. Thank you for leading us. All right. We're going to um, start a series today, as you heard. And um, you know what? I'm just going to ask you to just go ahead and open your Bible now, if you got one, or an electronic device where you've got it. And we're going to wind up in John chapter 15. So would you take a look at that with me? John chapter 15. Thanks for doing that. And bearing with me while I have to get something set up here. Okay. Good. And thanks for venturing out today. It's five out of six Sundays. It snowed. All right. We're going to jump in, though. Um, Something happens to me. Every time a movie comes out about the life of Jesus, and if I see it, it it, it doesn't even matter if it's white pasty Jesus. Um, (laughs) European, you know, something happens to me when I see depicted on a screen and I see... Somebody representing Jesus saying and doing the stuff that Jesus does and did. Some, it affects me. Um, this weekend, a, a, a movie is out called uh, Son of God that is doing that again. I haven't seen it. I don't know if it's any good. Uh, but here's just a, a little bit, just one minute worth of kind of showing you what the scenes are in that movie. Take a look. Do you need help? Looking help with what you're doing. Very quickly. Even when they insist in giving a Middle Eastern Jew a British accent, there is something that happens. I, there's something that happens to me when I see Jesus depicted. I, I think it's because it, it, I see him actually living what I've read about. And I can hear him say the words. And when I do that, it, it gives me a, a, a reminder that this, was a, this is an active, this is a present living person. This is a real being. The, the wonder of Jesus coming and living was not, is not just storybook stuff. He is historical and real. And it reminds me that that same Jesus, if, if what the Bible says is true, and I believe it's true, that he actually rose from the dead, that he physically rose from the dead, 
that that same Jesus is actually living in 2014. He is alive right now. The Bible says he is physically in the presence of God, his Father in heaven, preparing a place, but by his Spirit, he is alive in this city, in this town, in this place, in my home, in this room, at this very moment. When I see it depicted, it just kind of catches me. It reminds me, and it underlines in big, thick, black letters for me something that's true, that all of this, all of this, all of what we do here, all of what we teach about, all of your spiritual journeying, Every part of it, everything that's about it, all the life you and I were intended for, from the beginning and middle and end of it, it is all about Jesus. It all depends on Jesus. It all is hinged on Jesus. It's related to Jesus, what you choose to do with him, how you choose to respond, where your life is going. It comes down front and center from first to last. It's about Jesus. And it's not just about recognizing historical figure it's not just about presenting the message of a man all of this is wholly and entirely about relationship a christian often has been defined as someone who has a personal relationship with jesus christ you might have heard that phrase you have a personal relationship with jesus christ what does that mean in real terms, I, I want to say something to you today that I, and I want you to know that I've been praying about this and preparing for this series, and there is a big, big part of me that feels overwhelmed by the responsibility of standing in front of you to talk about this because it is so significant and pivotal to how some of us will live and respond that I see this as a big, big deal. So I want to throw something out to you that I hope you'll listen and track with and wrestle with this statement, that that the present day, the the right here and now purpose and intention of Jesus of Nazareth, the whole reason and his goal for coming to earth 2,000 years ago to this present day, all that purpose is not, hear this, it is not primarily, he did not come, and it's not his his primary intention to, to absolve sin and secure you safe passage to heaven. That's not his primary pursuit. His coming and his, what he wants, what that living being wants right at this moment is not primarily he didn't come to appease God's judgment and justice and restore us to good standing. He didn't primarily come to set a moral code for you to raise your children in or instructions to say this is how the best way to live. That is not why he primarily came. Now, all those things are true. All those things are central to what he came and he did. But the driving primary purpose of the risen jesus of nazareth was is more than that what it is is relationship specifically personal relationship personal continual connected intimate relationship when jesus was was praying to his father before he goes to the cross he says this is eternal life Right, the whole story of what he came to do. You're not going to see fire insurance from hell in this statement. This is eternal life, Father. This is that they may, that the people who he came to reach, and this is you, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Knowing him, 
If you traveled abroad this week, and it'd be good to do because get out of town, right? You just you traveled abroad, but you were abducted by drug dealers in some South American country, and they were holding you for ransom. And the government scrambled and said what to do, and diplomatic stuff fell through. And so they decided to, because you are important to this country, and they wanted to get you, they, and so they deployed a team. And if, if wherever you were being held, somebody in cover of darkness came in and, and found you with one of those night goggly things, and they found you, and they asked if you are who you are, and they said, I'm here to rescue you, and it was a Navy SEAL. And they whisked you out, and they brought you out. And they rescued you from that bondage, from that entrapment. If they did that, they would have accomplished their purpose. Rescuing you was the purpose. While you might be grateful, you would not move in with the Navy SEAL. They may not even know your name in a year. They've got other things to do. When Jesus came to earth and he came to rescue people, the rescue was not the end. The Navy SEAL's purpose, that was the end, to get you to safety, to preserve you from death. When Jesus came, his purpose was, that that was a means to an end. The end was, he wants you to know him. He wants you to be in relationship with him in a continual, regular, intimate way. Jesus of Nazareth offered you pardon and rescue and restoration for personal reasons. The Bible says God, Jesus' name, Emmanuel, his title meant God with us. He said in the Old Testament, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to move in with them. They will be my people and I will be their God. And if anybody wants to know me, if they, want to be, if they want to boast about something, let them boast that they actually, that they know me. He, want, he said he came to dwell among us, to share personal experiences. He came to be in the same room with your life. And, and Jesus reflected this when he called his disciples. He, he called them, and he called them for a purpose, and the purpose was to know him. Paul the Apostle said, what's more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. That's what I'm after. Not being rescued by him. Knowing him. For whose sake I have lost all things. When Jesus called those disciples, he called them to a place and and it says he went up onto a mountainside. This is Mark uh, 3. And he called those he wanted and they came to him and he appointed 12, designating apostles. And it says for this purpose, that they might be with him. To do life with him. They're going to learn. They're going to go on mission. But first he called them to be with him. Paul goes on to say in in Philippians 3. I want to know Christ. And the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. Becoming like him in his death. I want to know Jesus. Again let me say this. There's a deep passion I have. If I could wave a magic wand over this place and get us to get this, this is one of the times I would most, most want it to happen. That you were designed, you as an individual were designed to live these moments. 
You just lived one. And the moment that follows, these moments, right now, this date, in this time, in this place, to live those moments with Jesus of Nazareth in a relationship with Him. It's when we talk about walking with Him. He went to the cross not just for a relationship with you in the future, not just to get you to heaven where you get to be with Him. He went to the cross so that you could be with Him right now, on this date. We went to um, Disney World a few years ago when they first were just kind of releasing the new technology on the 3D stuff. And Disney World had this um, movie. And there are all these characters. And it was like the first time we'd ever seen the really, really cool 3D stuff. And there was a particular character who's flying around. And he's kind of narrating about what's happening. And we see all these Disney characters. And we're sitting there. And, and I'm like, because oh, I just love this stuff. It's like me and a bunch of eight-year-olds. Like, Ooh, this is. And, and, and this character stopped. And he's floating around. And he's talking to the audience. And he says... Now, there are a whole bunch of people here. But what I want you to understand is that right now, and he looks and, and he kind of comes out in the screen and he's like, and I'm like, and he goes, but really, I'm just talking just to you. And I, he was talking just to me. I mean, that's what it felt like. There is a God who is a being who's capable that we don't understand this, of being intimately aware of every every proton, neutron, electron, and every atom in the created universe at the same time. He knows how they're functioning. He knows how they're organized. He's aware of all of those. He has this oh, an amazing... Uh, uh, he, he is omniscient. He, is, he, he knows all of that. But that God who is watching all that happening and is holding it all together, zeroes in and focuses on you at the same time he's focusing on me and says, but it's you. I want a private, personal relationship with you. I want to be a father and a child with you. I want you to know me. And so, at this, at this very second, right now, in this room, in your very seat, in, in this space that we're occupying, right now, the risen Jesus Christ is present When he left, he said to his disciples, I am leaving physically, but my spirit is coming and my spirit is going to represent me. My spirit will be me in the spirit form. I don't even get how the Holy Spirit works that way, but he says, I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You go into your world, but I will be with you. He wants to be with us. And what we want to do is understand that this is about a relationship. And so my first question to all of us today would be, do you have one with him? I mean, first things first. Not just an awareness of God, not just a mental belief that God exists, not even just signing off on a historical Jesus who did stuff on the cross, but do you have a relationship with Jesus? Where that starts, if you don't, is by personally doing business with him and what he did on the cross. By coming to a place where you say, I am ready to accept your payment for me on the cross on my behalf. I am ready to say to you, I trust you. And now I'm at, and Jesus says, an exchange happens of your dead life to his living life. You live the life that Jesus put implants within you. And within your 
heart that he talks about. The Holy Spirit actually takes up residence and he is with you and in you and around you. Do you have that relationship? If you don't, that's where it starts. And if you have entered that kind of beginning to a relationship, then we talk about what it means to walk with him, to, ha- to know him, how you spend your life with him. And some folks, a whole lot of us, we miss doing life with Jesus often because we have understood our purpose or the dynamic of our relationship to be something a little bit different from that. For some people, we are, that relationship can, comprise, is comprised of this. It's, it's securing forgiveness from Jesus. We know the story. We're glad he did it. We need to get that safety net for the future. I know I'm going to heaven, and that's the extent of having of what we think is a relationship. For some people, it's more doing right by Jesus. It's kind of like we, the relationship we have with the police department. They're there. You're glad they're there. They're there to serve and protect. You wouldn't want them not there. And when you drive by and you see a police car parked this way or hidden over here, the first thing you do is you look down, right? And if you're okay on what you look down at, which is your miles per hour, then that changes your perspective when you look back up. If everything's good, I want to I do right by you. Wave at them. Keep it up. Hilliard's finest. Glad you're there. And for a lot of us, that is the extent of how we have viewed or are viewing our, this relationship with Jesus. We, we want to make sure just we're doing right by Him. For some, it's more like being subject to Jesus, kind of like we would to our president or if we had a king. He's got rules. We understand them. We kind of keep them. We're, we're a good citizen of Him. We don't invite him over i don't go to his house unless i win a championship but we're it's a relationship and for others it means behaving well under jesus you know i'm glad i'm not a teenager in this day and age because you know now they got those home surveillance things and your parents have got it set up so they can, like, they can track where your phone is when you're driving. They can tra- track how fast you're going. And then you go home, you see the things where they go, put this security system in your house. And there are things everywhere. And the kid walks in after school and waves at the camera. And the mom's at work going, oh, there they are. Like, that would freak me out. Like, it's big brother, except it's big, big mother. <laughs> and, and so we feel like we've got to behave well under our parents. And that's kind of how a lot of us think about Jesus it's, Okay, you know, I, I, he's, I got to make sure he's watching. He's watching. So I don't, I'm not sure where all the cameras are, and I just got to make sure that I'm kind of stay in line, and that's the extent of it. And for other of us, we would say it's more like we're working for Jesus. And I, I got to tell you, honestly, this is the one I function in a lot because I'm for him, and I got assignments he's given and I'm going to be faithful with them. And I can do a lot of Jesus stuff in my life. I can go to the places I'm supposed to go. I can say the things I'm supposed to say. I can represent him. I can do what I'm doing right now. And I'm doing it for Jesus. For a whole lot of us, it just becomes the extent of what that connection with him is. I will tell you that I am absolutely capable. I have done it before. I don't want to, but it's true. That I can, I can do what I'm doing right here at this moment. I can do it with passion. I can do it with sincerity. And I can do it for Jesus without having been with Jesus. 
And for a whole lot of us, that becomes the extent of our connection, our relationship with Jesus. Any of those true for you? In fact, it might be a question we'd ask ourselves in groups this week. Which one tends to be where you drift to or the way you've operated? And what God says is the whole purpose of Jesus giving us life is living life with Jesus. Again, it's a conscious awareness. It is being with Him. Here's a picture of the face of baseball in 2014. In fact, he was just voted such. This is David Wright, third baseman for a team in New York. He's just an all-American boy. I don't think he sins. Just answers things right. He's a good guy. He's always smiled. He's, he's the anti-Derek Jeter. David Wright's been in, in the major leagues. It's going on in his 11th year. I can tell you what his all-lifetime batting average is. I was at Shea Stadium the day he was called up and had his first at-bat. I have a picture of him standing at the plate. I've been watching him since he was drafted when he was 17 years old. I was there when he got played in his first... I saw that when he got his first hit. It was a double to the left center field. I've watched him. I cheered when they signed him to a long-term contract. I went to a game in Cincinnati. I was right behind home plate. David Wright, where they have the, the, the dugout or the uh, on-deck circle is right by where I was. I mean, just on the other side of the wall. David Wright comes out to get on, on deck. He's got two bats. He looks up. I've got my Mets jersey on. I look, and we made eye contact. So the guy, I am now in David Wright's brain forever. My image. This was given to me by a friend. This is one of my other loves, Snoopy, with a Mets jersey on. Is that the coolest thing? Do you know what jersey that is? Number five. David Wright. The question, do I know David Wright? Guy's never invited me over for dinner. Never been in my home. If he asked me, I might consider quitting my job and walking around with him for a season. (laughs) But he's never asked me. And he never will. I know him, but I don't know him. A whole lot of us know Jesus, but Jesus of Nazareth says, I want to know you. I want you to be with me. I want to walk through life together with you. Ephesians 1.17 says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, he may give you the spirit of wisdom so, and understanding so you get this. I want you to, I keep praying that you would get this so that you may know him better. In these 50 days, we're going to set a course to move directly toward that pursuit. We're inviting you into some exercises that will not guarantee it, but it is the, the purpose and deep desire of it is that in these 50 days, there will be experiences where together and individually we say, oh, I'm doing life with Jesus. I am walking 
with Jesus. I'm getting to know Jesus. Something that increases the number of minutes in your day where you have an awareness that you're sharing this moment and this conversation and this setting with a living, real person who is the Lord of all, but who is the lover of your soul and who says, let's do this life together. I designed you for this. My intention is this, that we would be together, that we would do it together. How do you do that? Are you in John 15? This is the most significant part passage, I believe, in the New Testament on this subject. Jesus himself is, is speaking. He's explaining to his disciples what his intent is, and he's getting ready to go to the cross. He's, not, he's been with them physically for three years, but this is just before those events are going to kick in. In that context, he says, here is what my, I want. Here is my purpose for you. Here is what... where we're headed toward and he uses a word picture and if you've been around the church you may have heard this word picture before bear with me i want you to get a feel for this it's a it's there are grape uh, vines and branches all around as they're walking down the roads when he's teaching this kind of thing and he says in john 15 1 i am like the i'm the true vine my father's a gardener there's a word picture it's a vine of life it's a vine of doing life, nutrients flowing through this vine. And he, and he, the Father, cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So it'll be even more fruitful. He's going to give a picture of what their lives are supposed to be like. Now, he says, look at verse 3. He says, you're, you, you're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Get this. He's talking to people who have decided to follow Jesus. They've decided that, to, that he is their redeemer. And he says, you're clean. So he's talking to people who you could say are Christians. He's talking to people who are in the room right now and say, was there a time in your life where you accepted that Jesus Christ paid for your sins? Yes, I've been forgiven. I've been restored to God. Okay, you're already clean. But now, he says, look at what I made you for. Verse 4. Remain in me. And I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. The word gets used four times. The word remain is a word that we don't quite have a good translation for. In some places it's called abide. That's where the topic title from today came from. Abide in me. It's talking about the connectivity, constant regular connectivity of the vine and the branches. The word there is meno in in the Greek. And, it mean, and again, it's translated remain or abide or connect. And it really, it means to lodge, to stay attached. It means, it refers to someone who does not leave the realm or sphere in which he finds himself. And so Jesus uses this word picture of the vine and the branches. You, if you break those, that connection, the fruit will dry up pretty quickly because the flow of the nutrients is, is broken. And Jesus says, now you're the branches, I'm the vine. There's a connectivity between us personally, relationally, that I intend for you. And make that active. It is a very active thing. It's not just a positional thing. Make it active and constant and regular. There's a continual flow. And it happens through a a conscious spiritual connection. Brother uh, uh, Lawrence in in the 1700s is known for uh, a practicing... he, he, He was in a monastery... But his words, words have continued to this day. And he wrote a series of letters that, that have been translated that, from which we get a phrase, practicing the presence of God or the practice of the presence of God. I like it. I like the phrase. 
I want to talk with you about practicing the presence of Jesus of Nazareth. It was so significant to him that there was this conscious exchange that became more regular in his life that Brother Lawrence wrote this around 1691. If I were a preacher, I would above all other things preach the practice of the presence of God. If I were a director, I would advise all the world to do it. So necessary do I think it, and so easy too. And he says, ah, if we but knew how much we need the grace and assistance of God, we would never lose sight of him, not for one moment. Okay, how do you do that? If, if you're with me so far and you say, yeah, okay, I get it. But how? How does that become part of your life? How do you do life with Jesus of Nazareth? How do you abide in him, remain in him, connect in him? I just want to give you a, a handful of words and some scripture around it to just get a start on this. And the first word I'm going to give you is the word awareness. Awareness of his presence. To, to, there, there's a spiritual discipline involved here to say, because there's something that's true, whether you're aware of it or not. Jesus is present in this room right now. And not just in a general far-off God kind of way. He has chosen. He gathers with His people. He walks with you. He is, he, you carry Him by His Spirit with you. He is present in this room right now. Becoming more aware of that fact is called practicing His presence. Becoming conscious of it. Can you look, here's an exercise. Just stop right now and think about the fact that a spiritual being is in the room with you. Can you just let that pass through your mind? That moment, right there, you move toward awareness of the presence of Jesus. It comes, it goes. But the scripture talks about it in Psalm 89, 15. It says, so blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence, O Lord. Those people, when that happens, there's an effect. And we'll talk more about the effect it has. They rejoice in your name all day long. This is not just poetry. It changes the way you think about your circumstances in that moment. They exult in your righteousness because you become their, their glory and their strength when they, when they do that. 20, I think it's 21 years now, they've, uh, somebody came up with the take your daughter to work principle. Some of you have done that. And then it became talk, take your daughter or son to work. And one day a year, it's in the April, so it's next month. It's a day designated where everybody's encouraged to take their daughter to work. And you hear all these stories about what happens when people take their kid to work. And some of them are a little awkward because sometimes the parent forgets that the kid is there and the, and the parent begins to say things with the language they use at work. And the kid goes, Daddy, what was that word? Whoops, I forgot. But, when, but for a whole lot of people who have taken children to work there, there's an awareness. Somebody else is in the room. It changes the dynamic. It changes the temperature. Dad took his daughter to work. She walked in, and in full, everybody hearing, she looked around and she said, Daddy, which ones have the brown noses? An awareness begins to affect the relationship. So the first word is awareness. The second word is, is I'm going to use the word lingering. In, in John 15, look at verse 9. And, and, the, and what we're talking about here is lingering in one particular part of what's true about Jesus. Lingering in his love. His love for you. When Jesus used the, when he taught this, 
He said, okay, you got the word picture? Vine and branches, there's a connectivity that I made you for. And he, go, and he says at the end of verse uh, 4, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain, it must abide, it must minnow in the vine, and neither can you bear fruit unless you do it with me. Verse 5, if, a, if I, I am the vine, you are the branches, and if this is true, if a person does this with me, if he abides in me and I in him, he'll bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can't do anything. Remember the cutoff, it, the flow stops. And if anyone doesn't, verse 6, abide or remain in me, he's like a branch that's thrown away and, and withers, and such branches are picked up and thrown in the fire and burned. But if you will do this, if you will abide in me and remain in me, and my words will do that in you, you can ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. It's to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Now, look at verse 9. Now, in the same way the Father has loved me, the agape love of God, so I have agaped, I've loved you. Now, he uses the same word. Keep an attachment happening with my love. Remain in my love. That is not just him being sentimental. There's an awareness that he is present, and then there's a lingering in the fact that he loves you. Know this about the Jesus who is present in the room right now. When you incline your your heart toward him, when you think about his presence and him being aware of you, there is a prevailing attitude he has toward you in this moment right now. The prevailing attitude he has, regardless of where you've been, regardless of what you've done, right now, his attitude is he absolutely loves you. That person stands here for you. He is in your corner. He, is, he wants to be, he, he, he wants to be close. He, he is he, he's excited for the, for the relationship to grow. His, he is predisposed toward you. Linger in that. Allow yourself to let it wash over you a little bit. If, if Jesus were physically in the room and he were walking through the crowd and he made his way to your row and he made his way down the row and he stopped and he stood right in front of you. Some of us would have horror to think, what is he going to say? What is, does he, is he going to talk about that thing? Is he going to bring up that one historical thing is he going to talk about yesterday or last night or last week what it oh man i got a whole lot of explaining to do that jesus when he stood in front of you he would stand there with absolute perfect complete acceptance and love of you as you are right now a desire to go more toward what he made with you but that is his disposition it is grace linger in the grace Understand that you right now are surrounded and saturated and clothed with a love that is greater than anything you ever have seen anywhere else coming directly from the hands of Jesus of Nazareth. And then third, what I'm going to give you is involvement, meaning involve him in the moment. See, Jesus Christ is not, he has no intention of just being an observer in your life. He's not, he doesn't want to be a spectator. He didn't sign up for that. In fact, the Bible says that when he gives us new life, he becomes the master and commander of the life he implants within us. He is the Lord of that life. It is his life we're living. He's the director of it. He intends to be the Lord of it. So he's got plans. He's got ways. And so it means that when we're in a moment, he does not want to just be the, the, the person you check in with now and then. This little phrase is given in a doxology in Romans but there's something really important about it when Paul says that uh, when it comes to God, he says, 
there's something that's true from him with our life. From him and through him and to him are all things. Now, pause for a moment. We get from him are all things. He gave us our life. He's the source of life. He's the one who created our world. He's the one who gave you life. And to him are all things. We, we can get that. There's a glory coming that he is in charge. There's an end to this story where he's the king and we're his servants. But notice the part in the middle. From him are all things. To him are all things. But through him are all things. Every circumstance, every situation, everything you're thinking through and working through and experiencing is coming through him in this moment. We are asked to volitionally invite him to participate in that moment. To give his perspective and his power to it. To, to, to allow us to experience it alongside him. Okay, let, let me give you an example of how this works. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a joke. I'd like you to experience this joke, just you. Okay, I don't want you to turn and look at anybody. I, don't want you to, you know, just, I just want you to hear this joke. And you tell me, and, and you can tell me later if you think it's a good joke. All right, I'm going to pick pick one of my favorite jokes. Here we go. Ready? Don't don't. This is this is joke is for you. It sounds like it's for the whole crowd, but I'm really talking to you. Okay. What did the agnostic, dyslexic, insomniac do? Answer. He stayed up all night wondering if there was a dog. Just let, it, just let it wash over you. Okay, got it? Now, what I'd like you to do is I'm going to tell you another joke. And this time, I would like you to turn to somebody you're sitting near or that you came with. Would you just look at them in the eye right now? Okay, you're going to share this moment with them. Okay, if there's three of you, you can do that too. Look, okay, all right? I want you to share this joke. I want you to react with them to this joke. I want you to invite them to hear this joke with you. You ready? Here it goes. Don't say you've... Just, all right, here we go. Two muffins are in an oven. The first muffin says to the second muffin, man, it's hot in here. The second muffin, I'm not done. The second muffin replies, whoa, a talking muffin! Can't interact. Now, you, oh, okay, now you're just rolling your eyes right now. You're going to tell those, one of those jokes this week. You're going to say, oh, I heard this joke. It's really bad. Listen. The dynamic with which you experienced that just now changed because one time you just experienced it by yourself. The other time you experienced it with somebody else. You might have, did you notice the laughter was a little higher, a little bit more? The groaning was a little bit more. The rolling of the eyes was a little bit more. You experienced it because you did it in connection with someone. Our relationship with Jesus is intended to be one where even the jokes of our lives, even the the small circumstances are ones that we are aware of, incline ourselves to, interact with Him about. So that when you hear, why don't you ever see a hippopotamus hiding in trees? The answer is, because they're really good at it. No, it's still not, okay. All of life is intended by Jesus to be lived with him, inviting him to be present in it, involving him in the moment. I, I knew a guy who 
this kind of whacked me out for a little bit. But later on, I realized he wasn't just putting on a show. I, I could walk down the, the, a sidewalk with this guy. I would talk with him. And we were talking about things that were going on in our lives. And while we were talking, he would sim- all of a sudden, he'd be talking to Jesus. And I thought, okay, that's a little weird. Like, he didn't say, I'm going to talk to Jesus now, or shall we bow and pray? He just, all of a sudden, he would be, it would be like, he would have one sentence, and he would turn and say, let us know what you want us to do about that. And I realized he wasn't talking to me, he was talking to Jesus. Now, again, you could go, okay, that, see, there's a, a thin line between faith and lunacy. <laughs> but as I got to know this guy, I realized he wasn't making it up. He was practicing the presence of Jesus in his life. I'm not telling you that you need to go start talking audibly all the time. But you know what? If we did, for some of us, it would make a difference. It would heighten our awareness and our experience that we are intended to live this moment and the successive moments of our lives with Jesus, not just for him, not just under him. The last word I'm going to give you today is do. And I simply mean by that um, to do what you do with Jesus. In John 15, verse 10, there's a word gets used here. He says, the next, so we looked at verse 9 where it says, now remain in my love. And then he says, if you obey my commands, you will abide. You will remain in my love. Just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. And I've told you this so that you can have your joy maybe. Uh, my joy may be in you, and your joy may be complete. There's something about the life we were designed for that is heightened to its greatest end, its purpose, if we not just involve him, but we actually say, we, we, we say to Jesus, okay, now I'm going to do what you say. I'm going to obey you. I'm going to live this out. The Bible talks about being co-laborers with Jesus. There's another movie that's out right now called Ride Along. I don't know anything about it, but I was I was on a ride along once with uh, I was I was for a summer I was a chaplain in a police department. I went on a ride along with these guys, and I was so excited, like, oh, this is going to be cool. You know, I've seen cops. <laughs> this is going to be good. You know, and there's two partners, and they're sitting in, and then I'm in the back seat, and we're and we're going, and and I'm telling you, it was the most boring night of my life. I think I, I think they got sprinkles. On their donuts. I think maybe that was like the highlight. We, we, we were driving around. There was like one or two calls. And, and then when we went, to, it was like some domestic thing. I'm like, oh, good. I'm going to get to see people like with weapons. This is cool. Where's my flap jacket? Do I, I'm, do I go in with you guys? And then they said the same thing. It's like, okay, reverend. Like some, okay, you, you wussy. You stay here. You pray. We're going to go do the real stuff. Okay, and then, So I sat in the car. Well, that wasn't any fun for me. That wasn't, we didn't do the stuff together. I wanted to get in there. I wanted to see what it was like. Some of us think of Jesus as being like a ride-along. He's like invited. He's, oh yeah, no, come along, come along. Okay, now hang out here while I go do the stuff and then I'll tell you about it later. I mean, if there's exciting stuff or if there's stuff, you know, or I need you to call in, you know, if I radio to you and need more supplies or backup, okay, then I'll let you know. But the difference is that the, the, the movie we're supposed to be living is not a ride-along movie. It's a buddy cop movie. It's where we're doing this together with him. And he is the one who gives the directions. He is the one who tells us, here's how to act in this setting. Here's what to say. Here's where you're going with this. Here's what character to, to expose in the middle of this. 
All of that will amplify and rise up when we understand that what we were intended for is to walk with Jesus, to connect with Him, to live these moments with Him. So let me just say those words to you one more time. That, that we are asked, when it comes to our relationship with Jesus, to be aware of His presence, to linger in His love, to involve Him in the moment, and then to do what He says. Here's what we're hoping we can do for 50 days. An exercise we hope that will we'll kind of ignite this within us. You're invited to live these next 50 days with Jesus of Nazareth. We have some resources that you heard about earlier today. We want, we want to make, like you heard, we're, we, there's a, a hard copy. You can, these are on the table in the lobby. There's a one-page thing that leads to an electronic version if you, if you function more with iPads or with your phone. All this is online and it's much simpler and easier to do. But there's stuff within there that that are exercises. The resources are designed not to make this all of a sudden work for you. Just to steer us and give us some uh, tools to to move in a direction. And here's what you'll see when you open those resources. Every day for 50 days, there's uh, on Sundays, there's one set of things. And then then there are couplets every two days during the week. And it's going to follow the life of Jesus. What we're going to ask you to do is think of, inject yourself into the story. Imagine when you read what you're going to read in the Gospels about the life of Jesus, that you are in the audience, that you are with him, that you're there, and how you would feel, how you would react. And on one day, the first of each couplet, it, it's going to encourage you to, um, to watch Jesus in action while he does something. It asks a couple questions that we would urge you to actually write out answers to and think about, what is, what is he doing and what is, how does it affect me to see that? The second of the day is to learn from Jesus. You watch him one day and you learn where he taught something. And imagine that you're sitting at his feet while he's talking about life. He's, get, he's trying to make an important point about walking through life with him and ask questions, just a couple questions about how you can put that into practice. There's a, every day there's a place where it's just a very simple thing about t- just talking with Jesus. We're gonna, we'll explain more about how it works over these next um, 50 days. And what you can communicate with him about. It's got areas and just a circle. Say, I'm talking about this today. Invite you to do that, to have a conversation with Jesus. On Sundays, it's got places where you can say, what's the biggest takeaway from what we're the teaching? And then every week there's an exercise. Simple stuff. Where you're just invited to say, here's a way that you can put this into practice. It the, the exercise may or may not help you, but I encourage you to consider it and think of it and, and, and do it. The very first one starts with today, and it is to get ready for our worship concert on Friday. By writing, expressing some thoughts directly to God about how you feel about Him. It might be thanks. It might be praise. It might be, it might be confusion. But to write, write them out, almost like you're writing your own psalm about God. Write it through the week and then maybe bring it on Friday and we have an opportunity even for some people to share it. You don't have to, but it's an exercise that way. All those things are there as tools for one purpose. To help us understand that there is a living, real person in the room with you right now who says to you, I want to know you and I want you to know me. Let's do your life today together. To take steps then that say, this is how I can involve him, walk with him, and abide in him.
Join us on that 50 days. Let's pray together, and we're going to sing in a way to express our hearts to him. Even when we sing, God, we're about to sing some words about you, and we can go into, I know I can do this. Um, I can go into autopilot. I cannot think about what I'm saying. I can just say, yes, let's do this song. We, we recognize that it is a discipline and it takes some energy from us, from our soul to incline our hearts. And even in this moment right now, I'm going to ask you, would you nudge us so that we can recognize that when we're talking and, and these folks are sitting listening right now, that there is a real person that we're talking with who fills this room, who, who hears our words, who feels what we feel and who knows us that you are a real person to whom we can open our hearts and say, okay, let me do this part of my life with you right now. As we express ourselves in a song that talks about how, what your son came to do for us and how he did that with, we, it's almost like our soul was with him when he did it. Make this even the first step for some people in the room who would say, I'm going to practice the presence of Jesus in this moment.